If you will, take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 11. And you will need your Bible. Turn it, and if you don't have one, there's one in the back of the pew that we provide for you, and I hope you'll take advantage of it. John chapter 11, because we're going to go through some verses, and I want you to get what the story's about. As we talked about, let's get real. I'm convinced that people are wanting to see the real side of our lives and the honesty and the transparency of what it means to walk with Christ through good days and bad days. And uh, sometimes we need to tell them of the losses as well as the victories. And so in doing that, uh, you have probably heard this, you have thought this, you have said this. If we're honest, you look around, you read the paper, you listen to the news, you look down the street, you pass by the school, you show up at church, and, you, and perhaps this has crossed your mind. God, why don't you do something about that? We really think that more than we probably ever say it. God, why don't you do something about that? And, and some of you may be sitting next to that, incidentally. I don't know. Maybe you're living with that. Hey, God, why don't you do something about that? We say that because we believe he can. We just don't realize or don't understand why he hasn't. We've all been there. God, why don't you answer this prayer? God, why don't you do this? I know you can. I believe you can. I, I have faith. I, I, why don't you do something about that? Why don't you do something about the injustice in the world and the cruelty and the, and, and the, and the problems that we face in life? Here's what I've put in the beginning of this message, when God doesn't follow our timeline and calendar, we often assume he is late. And that's also being real. We do. We kind of put God on a clock and go, where are you? Where are you? I'm checking here, man. You're you're five minutes late. You're an hour late. You're three days late. You're four days late. You're too late. That's what this story is about. John chapter 11, it's a great story. Martha and Mary uh, sent a message to Jesus that their brother Lazarus is sick. Now, Lazarus and Martha and Mary had a great connection and relationship with Jesus. There was a tremendous amount of care and love between them. And they sent the message that Lazarus was sick. Uh, and uh, it takes about a day and a half to get from where Jesus was to where Lazarus was. And so the message comes. And they truly expected a speedy response for Lazarus' healing. But God had something else planned. Let's look at the story. Verse verse 1 of chapter 11. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. And this is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Boy, now, hey, that's pretty strong. They both signed off on it. They said, look, we're telling you, it's serious. He's very sick, meaning he's going to die from this. We need you to show up. We need you. We need you, Jesus. Got to have you. 
as soon as you can get here. Now watch this. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, uh, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. So let me give you the first thing, the first thing I want you to know. God responds deliberately to increase our faith. God responds deliberately to increase faith. God's always doing something for the benefit of you as well for the honor of him. He sees the big picture when we don't. And so the news comes and Lazarus says to the messenger, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. That's a pretty strong statement. No, it happened for the glory of God, so the Son of God will receive glory from this. Important verse. This has all happened, that God would display his glory. So in looking at this, the disciples are packing their bags thinking, we're fixing to go. And Jesus didn't go. And I'm sure they're wondering, I don't, are we going? What do you think? I don't know where we're going. He ain't said anything. We're, he ain't packing his bag. We, ain't, we, we, we must not be going. And I'm sure they're bewildered because they know how much you love Lazarus. And the, the sister said, we really need you. And, the, and they're going, we're ready to go, but don't look like we're going. Verse 5. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. I'm sure the disciples wonder what's going on. Uh, they've watched this man heal from long distance. He can speak and be done. And they're wondering what's going on. So maybe he's not going and maybe we're not going. And what is this? And so they, they kind of go, all right. Then, and then all of a sudden, uh, finally he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. His refusal to leave immediately gave the appearance he did not care for or love Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. At first they're going, maybe they aren't as close as we thought they were. And, look at, and we look at this. And finally he said, okay, let's go back. And then look at verse 8. These guys, they're a lot like us, aren't they? But his disciples objected. Rabbi, teacher, they said, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Translation. They were throwing rocks at you and they were going to hit us also and we don't want to go to Judea. We're just telling you, we don't want that. I mean, you really want to go back? They're going to throw stones at you. They're going to hit us. We don't like this. Jesus is, you know, he's, kind of, he's, he's going to teach them something. But they're just bewildered at what's taking place because they're not, God's not operating according to their expectation, according to their timeline. They thought, well, we should have left a long time. We're going to go. Now what's the reason in going? Because either everything must be okay, didn't go, and, and so, so we're all right. And, and so they're saying, but we don't want to go back now because they tried to kill you last time. They probably will be successful this time. They still didn't get the big picture. In verse, uh, verse 9, Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. What was that about? 
Jesus said, guys, I'm with you for a short time. Walk with me. I'm going to teach you some things. I'm going to give you some light today that's going to carry you through the rest of your life. They need to let that sink in. He says, I'm going to, there's going to come a moment I'm not going to be with you. They don't know that yet. They haven't understood that yet. But he's saying, the light, the daylight's, I'm the light. The light's with you right now. There's going to come a time I'm not going to be visibly with you, but I'm going to prepare you by the light you watch in me. And I'm going to give you some light for the darkness you'll face, for the difficult times you'll face in the days ahead. Uh, I'm going to leave you with something that will carry you through the dark times of life. Light will serve you the rest of your life. Now he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. And look at verse 12. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. We haven't got to go. They're still, they're still trying. If he's, if he's sleeping, he's going to be fine. Shoot, but let's just stay here. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly. Lazarus is dead. Now look at this statement because this is where we get problems, isn't it? And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. Whoever would expect Jesus to say something like this? You go, whoa, what is going on? I I don't get this. For now... You will really believe. Come, let's go see him. That's a strange statement. But what you understand is that Jesus' delay was deliberate so faith would increase. It was deliberate. He, he didn't lose track of time. He did, it wasn't the fact that they didn't care about Lazarus or, or Martha or Mary. But he was caring about more than those three. And he deliberately says, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't there. But now you're going to see something. And you got to love Thomas because he jumps in. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, then said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. <laughs> Mr. Positive. Okay, we're not going to change his mind. We've tried changing his mind. We've, put, we've kind of said, eh, now we're just going to go. He's dead. Don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to go. We're going to die, so let's just go die. You ever wonder if Jesus turned his head and laughed sometimes? Just laughed. and <laughs> These guys, they don't get it. Here's what you find. So, uh, As we look at this, verse 17, when Jesus had arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Now, that's, they had to bury Lazarus because Jesus didn't get there. I mean, that's kind of what's underlying here. And and, uh, he didn't come in time. And they're saying now that he's there, there's no hope for Lazarus because in their culture, in their mindset, in their belief system, they believed after three days, if you were buried for three days, your spirit left you. And there was no hope. I mean, you were done. It was over. And it's four days. What a dilemma. 
That's interesting. And so basically everybody said, Lord, you kind of blew it. You just wasn't here. You just really wasn't here. Spirit's gone for good, you know. And so uh, he was told that he'd been in his grave for four days. That meant he actually died when the messenger came, if you want to do your math. And Bethany was only a few miles down from the road of Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. Martha got word that Jesus was coming, and she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here. Why didn't you do something about this? If you'd have been here, I know what would happen. I know what you can do. If you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. Strong statement. You ever said, God, where are you? If you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Let's get real. Lord, I, I, where were you when this happened? Uh, what, Lord, I, I know what you can do. I, I'm a believer. I believe in you. And I, I, but what happened? She's saying this. She said, Lord, I, I don't understand. You love me. I, we have a relationship. We have a strong connection. And yet, you didn't come. He died. Had you come, he wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Ah, she says, but I know, I know it seems hopeless and everything's done, but I, I just know whatever you ask of God, he'll give it to you because of your relationship to God, because of who you are. You're the Messiah. I mean, it's great. So look, look what happens here, okay? Let's go on down because this is pretty amazing. If only you'd done something about this. Well, you can still do something about this. Verse 22 tells us that. Then, verse 23, 24, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Very aware of the resurrection. She knew of a resurrection day coming for those who died in faith. They would, be, they would live again. She understood that. And, and then Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, here's a great teaching moment. She is aware of an event. She's saying, I know there's an event coming in the future, the resurrection, and it's going to be where people who are, have, are believers are going to live again. Jesus said, you don't understand. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. He's just taught her something amazing. Look at this again. Look at it with me. I am. That's an I am statement. That's a God statement. God is the resurrection. It's not an event. It's really, uh, it, it, it's, it's more than that. It's the person of Jesus. He says, I am. And everyone, look at this. I'm the resurrection. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Let me give it to you what he said. He said, because as we understand the fullness of Scripture now and we look back and, and, and see the whole picture, he's saying, if you're born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you die once. That's what he's saying. Great doctrine he's teaching here. Look, if you believe in me, that's your second birth. Physical death comes, but that's it. 
You really don't die. You don't cease to be. You don't stop existing. You just change addresses. You change your living place. He's talking about now. Do you still believe this, Martha? Do you still trust me even though I've not met your expectations is what he's saying. That's what he's saying. You still trust me even though I've been late? He asks us the same thing, incidentally. He does. We'll say, Lord, where are you? I don't understand it. You know, I got you down on my calendar. Show up on Wednesday at 5 o'clock. You didn't show up Wednesday at 5 o'clock. I don't know what's going on. And we start reading our resume to him. Lord, I've been faithful. I love you. I've been obedient. I tithe. I, I, you know, I, I serve the church. I witness. And we give him our resume. And he's going, no, no, that's not what about your resume. Even though I've missed your expectations, do you still trust me? Job answered that question. Though he slay me, I'll trust him. Though he doesn't answer my prayers, though we never have a conversation, though he doesn't come through like I would think he should, I will still trust him. That's amazing faith. And that's the kind of faith we're called to have because sometimes he doesn't come through on our calendar or our watch. And and we go, Lord, I don't get this. We're so busy telling the world that everything's great if you love Jesus and follow Jesus when unsaved people see our world fall apart and we're not transparent about it. When, the, when God's late, we're not honest about that. And I'm here to tell you, if we're honest more about what God's in our life and sometimes what he's not in our life, it's amazing the people will draw to us. God, he understood this. He understood this, okay? He, he got this, all right? So, <laughs> I'm going to go down. Let me just read through here, okay? Um, Yes, Lord, she told him, I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who's coming to the world from God. She had her theology right. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside quietly and said the, and, 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 from the mourners and told her, the teacher's here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people, they, they assume when, when Mary left, they, they're, she's going to go to see Lazarus' grave and, and to weep. So they, they're kind of professional mourners. Not all of them had a relationship. Kind of, and this is one of the things that angered Jesus. It was more of an emotion than relationship. And, and so anyway, uh, they're following. And, and look at Martha, verse 32. Look at this. If only you'd been on time. Look at this. Verse 32. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I want you to catch what's happened. Do you realize for these four days, the sisters have discussed and talked about in depth, if Jesus had been here, he wouldn't have died. You get that, don't you? That's what they've been talking about. If he'd have been there, it wouldn't happen. If it had been, if it had done something about this, this would we wouldn't be where we are. If it had done something about that, we would know we would have, we wouldn't be experiencing this grief and this pain, and this heartache. 
And they're probably discussing, why didn't he come? Where is he at? And then when he finally shows up, they go, we, we know who you are. We know that you're what you're capable of. We know your ability, but we don't understand why you were late. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. He, he, the people bothered him, not her. And he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. We don't know why he wept. Shortest verse in the Bible is pretty powerful. It says a lot in two words. Jesus wept. He wept for the grief that perhaps Martha and Mary experienced, for the pain they'd gone through. Some say he would weep because he's bringing Lazarus back to this world from heaven. Maybe he just wept because he loved him. I think he wept because he loved him. He really cared. He knew what was taking place. And he was just weeping because he cares and loves And we look at this, look further. The people who were standing nearby said, how much he loved him. How true it is, how true it is. But someone said, you ready? But someone said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Why didn't he do something about that? We know what he can do. We've seen him do miracles. He loved this man. Why didn't he come through? Now, guys, let's be real honest. We've all looked around in life and we've seen God answer prayers for this person and not answer your prayers. We've seen God do something miraculous in this person's life and not in yours. We've seen him come through for this person and not for you or not for me. And sometimes we say, God, I know what you can do, but why aren't you doing it for me? And then we think, well, what's wrong with me? Am I not, you know, and, 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 and that doesn't have to do with you. Remember what he said, the disciples, before the journey started? I'm doing this so you'll believe. I'm doing this so it'll increase your faith. For some, it is a crisis of faith. For others, an opportunity to grow in faith. Every issue we face in life, every issue comes to battle with that. It's a, it's a battle of what, Lord, do I not believe enough and begin to beat ourselves up and think something's, you know, or we either go, Lord, I believe and I can't understand and I can't explain, but I'm going to walk with you through this because you love me. And that never changes. I don't understand. I can't explain to my people or my family or my friends why you haven't done something about that. But I will still follow you. I'll still believe. Because here's the second thing I want you to get. God reveals his glory in his time, and it's the right time. Because now you've got to see, going back to verse 4. I want to just go back to verse 4 from here, okay? Here's what he said. 
But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not be end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Now, he's going to tell the guys it's about belief in verse 14. We talked about that, remember? He said, it's so you can believe. But he started out saying, guys, it's really about my glory. Not about your comfort. Not about your convenience. Not about your expectation. But it's about my glory. How does that, what does that look like? Well, let's look at what it means to seize glory. Verse 38. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across his entrance. And he said, roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Physically, you're too late. Logically, you're too late. It's just too late. He's too far gone. I want you to catch the application in just a minute. As we go through life and think, because God did not meet our time, that he's too late now, and things will never change. He'll never do anything about that. And that's a terrible mistake. It's never too late for God to intervene, for God to come through, for God to do something. It's not about so much our expectation, but it's about his glory. Because he sees the big picture, and it's not just about what happens in my life, although he loves me very much. Guys, there's been in my life, there's times he's answered prayers amazing, there's times he said no. I have been and prayed for people and watched God heal them, and I've also watched God say no to my own daughter. You understand? But it's about a big picture. It's about all the people that will cross our lives, and somehow God wants to have an impact on more than just us. Verse 40, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? I told you, Martha. I told you, disciples, because they're over there probably nodding with you. He's going to smell real bad when you move that stone, man. It's going to be a bad day. As I told y'all, you would see my glory. What is the glory of God? Well, This event in life was about to display God's glory. God's glory is most obvious during difficult times. Now, I know we see the glory of a sunset if you're a beach person. That's pretty nice. Or you see the glory of the mountains if you're a mountain person. You see the glory of nature. That's his handiwork and his creativity uh, and his creation power. But let me tell you what his glory is. It's when the impossible happens or the unexplainable takes place. And he's going to write that down. His glory is when the impossible happens and the unexplainable takes place. That's when God shows his glory. Because only God can do those things. 
That's why it's glorious. If I could do them, it would be no big deal. If we could accomplish things without his power, that's no glory for him. But he really wants us to do things that allow him to display his glory and to walk with him in such a way that we know if we will believe and trust him, even though he's not met our calendar or our clock, that his glory we will see. Guys, we are a people who are supposed to be consumed with the fact that we will behold his glory. One day we shall behold him when he comes in the second coming. Either, And if there's a, there's a rapture, that'll be incredible. Uh, and I believe there will be. But, uh, and those who are, who are born again will go to meet him in the air. That's going to be a glorious moment. And those who are already gone to be with him and, and, and died and had that uh, gone to be with him, uh, they'll be, we'll be coming back with him. So it's going to be a glorious moment. We're going to see heaven. That's going to be a glorious moment. Uh, all that's incredible. We will see his glory. And no matter what happens in life, nothing changes the glory of our eternity that he has prepared for us. A place not made with hands, but out of his own creative power and imagination. God's glory could be a miracle. Or it could be peace in your storm. And people go, how did you cope with that? How did you possibly get through that? I can't imagine what that was like. And we say some of the foolish things. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? When we get through the storms of life, it's because God grabs a hold of us and walks us through it. That's how we get through. That's how we manage to get through the nights of sleeplessness and the times of tears. And and that is because he does not leave us alone. He does not let go of us when we will oftentimes be so weak to hold on to him. He will never let go of us. No matter what we walk through, no matter how dark the night, how weak we may be, how much we struggle, He walks with us. He carries us. He does not let go of us. And that's what He's asking, Martha, do you believe I'm not going to let go? Do you believe I'm not going to fail you? You can see his glory in a miracle, an answered prayer, a turn of events, an unexpected blessing, a saving faith. That's the miracle. That's the miracle. I told you. So they rolled the stone aside and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead men came out and his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes. He was the first mummy. His face wrapped in head clothes and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. You know what happened here? Rolled the stone away, said, Lazarus, come forth. Some said if he didn't say Lazarus, all the dead would have come forth. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And when he came forth, he's, I mean, you got to get this picture. He's still got his face, he's got his cloth on his face. And nobody's making a move toward him. They're going, man, it's good. we don't know what to do about this. And finally said, would somebody loose him up? Take that stuff off him. Somebody go over and help him out. Verse 45, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. That's the big picture. 
God's purpose for coming to our world in the person of Jesus Christ, the, the glory of a virgin birth, the glory of a sinner's life, the glory of the miracles he performed, the glory of the love he showed, the glory of the children he touched, the glory of, of healing the blind and making the cripple walk, the glory of the crucifixion, the glory of the resurrection. All that is so people may believe in Jesus so they can go to be with him forever when they die and their life can have purpose here. That's why God's done all this. So if he doesn't quite meet your timeline, it's because he's doing something bigger than you've imagined. It's about getting as many people into heaven as will believe. And sometimes... He's not on time for us. It's just that simple. There's nothing he can't do, but sometimes he waits. So we should trust him in the meantime. You think about glory. I I was thinking, Lord, so many times the dumb things I've seen. I've seen God's glory in your lives, many of you. I've seen you be on the point of desperation and breaking, and all of a sudden God come through. I've seen you be at the point of not knowing if, 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 if tomorrow is going to be the worst day of your life, you're going to have a great loss in your family, or something's going to take place, and you're on that desperate edge, and all of a sudden he comes through. I've seen glory in you guys. I've seen glory in the restoration of marriages. I've seen glory in, in people being saved. I, I was thinking, in 2003, we had a, a moment that... What, you probably don't realize this, but probably less than half percent of the church has ever experienced what we experienced in 2003. I'm telling you, it didn't happen often. Uh, where all of a sudden God does something that only God can do, and it's to his glory and honor. It's 2003, it was uh, March 16th, and it was an interesting Sunday. He'd already been doing some amazing things and glorious things in people's lives starting back in August of 2002, and even before that, he'd been to do some things. He was moving, doing glorious things, bringing people to the reality of their need for a Savior. But 2003, he did something pretty amazing. Uh, one of them was obviously uh, uh, reaching my wife. And, and, and as she has a story, she tells all the time. And it's amazing how God honors that and is glorified by that. But I'll never forget that Sunday when it was not your normal Sunday. We were kind of promoting our children's stuff. And, and we had a, uh, the children's choir singing. We had puppets. It wasn't your normal thing. The celebration wasn't up. The celebration choir wasn't up there, which is always helpful when you're going to preach. And, and it just wasn't there. And so, but God spoke to my heart and said, I'm going to do something. I just want you. So uh, it was a Saturday night. Kevin and I were talking. And I said, brother, I know we got this going on. And, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to shift gears a little bit. Sing, sing a couple of songs, and I want you to sing something, and then let me preach. I preached a 16-minute sermon. That in itself should be glorious for many of you, I hope. 16-minute sermon. On lay with issue of blood. Gave the invitation. And that end of that day, both services, 42 people had come forward to receive Christ. We saw the glory of God that day. We did. I mean, we did, you know. We did. We saw his glory. Oh, we've seen his glory many other times. That year we baptized 108 people. It was a glorious moment. I really would like to see it again. I, you know, 
And sometimes we've had to go through crisis and battle and stuff like that. And his glory has been there. We can see the glory of God in the midst of that. When it feels like God is absent, Jesus told John the Baptist, look outside his circumstances and see what I'm doing somewhere else. When it um, seems like God is not listening, he told Paul to lean into his grace. It was sufficient for whatever he'd face. And when it looks like God is late, look for his glory. For he never lets go.